0: And welcome back to another edition of the On the Board Sports podcast. It is Saturday, April 15th, 2023. I am your host Will Truchy, aka Will C, and you know, wherever you're listening to this, please like us, review, give us a nice review or whatever kind of review it is, and subscribe to us. It's free. We've been doing this for about going to be 5 years now doing this, and what a time to be an Islander fan, what time be a New York sports fan right now for your winter teams, right? First time in 29 years that all five winter sports teams that play indoors, whether it's the Rangers, the devils, the Islanders, the Knicks, the nets, they have made it to the playoffs. And look, 94. It's a long time ago. Going to be 30 years now in that sense, but next year, but 29, right we see all five of these teams making it now it's crazy how all these teams are right now we'll get into baseball in a little bit we'll get into football the whole aaron Rodgers saga you know let's start off here though with with the winter sports and their their respective playoffs because let's start off here with hockey right you got the islanders going up against the hurricanes in the first round You got the Rangers going up against the Devils, and there are plenty of good matchups here in this uh, NHL Stanley Cup playoff that we'll also get into. But let's start off here with the team that I root for, the Islanders, because they back their way in. And being at UBS Arena and watching and following this team over the course of this year and over the course of five years, this has been one of the more whirlwind type of seasons that we've ever seen from this team, right? And at the beginning of the year, there was a lot of question marks. I know that the best case scenario right now, you're seeing it. They make it in as a wild card team. That was the best case scenario. Worst case scenario, you're finding out what what this team is going to be for the next couple of years. And who knows where where they might have been in that draft lottery process regarding the Bedard sweepstakes. But regardless or not, the Islanders right now, they're in a playoff spot. They made it. They're the seventh seed, and they fought tooth and nail to get to where they are right now. And they're playing up against the Carolina Hurricanes team that, defensively speaking, they don't really give up anything, right? Their penalty kill, second in the league, first in the league when it comes to shots against. And, you know, you could talk about Sebastian Aho being – the, you know, the catalyst, if you will, for the Carolina Hurricanes. You could talk about the the loss of Andres Svechnikov, okay? As much of a dynamic talent as he is, you know, Carolina can roll out all four lines at that point. But you know what? The Islanders, if they can get back a healthy Matthew Barzell, which it's looking like game one, he's going to be starting down in Raleigh. And people know my thoughts and opinions on the arena situation down there. But, you know, regardless or not, Caniacs, the Hurricanes fans, they're definitely going to be loud in there. They're going to be boisterous. They're going to be voicing their opinions on on the team. And regardless or not on how you feel, this team right now can definitely, they can win this series, no doubt. They They retooled. To be in this situation, getting guys like Brent Burns during the offseason. You got Freddie Anderson, a healthy Freddie Anderson coming back into play. You got Auntie Ranta backing him up. You got the uh off kid coming in from the from the minors and doing his role uh very well. Uh, you know, you look at some of the other lines too that come into play here. You know, you look at Turbo Teravinen playing. Well, you know, you look at the defense pairings too. Jacob Slavin, underrated piece for that Carolina Hurricanes defense, right? And you look at what what their third and fourth lines can do. Jordan Stahl being their captain, uh, what he brings to the table and what he means to the Carolina Hurricanes. So Rod Brindamore and... The Carolina Hurricanes, they have done a phenomenal job, no doubt, of bringing in a lot of talent over the course of time, and they have underratedly and quietly put together a really good team over the course of a five-year span. And that doesn't get talked about a lot in the NHL world or in the hockey world, for that matter. So they've done that. But the one thing that... I got to say here is with Svechnikov being out and with the way how things have turned out for the Carolina Hurricanes, they've been a little bit shaky since Svetch went out, right? And, you know, yeah, their defensive style of play can help them out in that sense. And they have a lot of pieces there that have been through the ringer over the course of the five years, that they've made it to the playoffs. I'm not counting 2017-18, obviously, because they missed the playoffs. But in a five-year span, they've done an excellent job. But the one thing this year that this team doesn't have with Svetch being in the playoffs, their power play has really went down the drain. Now, we could talk about the Islanders over the course of time, being how bad the power play is and where this team has been. But when you look at the Hurricanes right now, they have a couple of flaws, one of them being their power play. And, you know, they rank right now, as I'm pulling this up, they're 19th in the league, 19.8 percentage. Okay. You know, you look at other teams right now that are in it. The Kraken, they're 21st, you know, you look at the Jets, they're 23rd. You look at other teams going down the list. The only team that's bad that's in the playoffs right now that has a horrible man advantage unit are the Islanders. They're ranked in at 30th. We'll get into the Isles in a second here, but you know, it's going to be a tough task for the Islanders to go up against a defensive style, defensive minded type of team in the Carolina Hurricanes. But an upset can be a brewing. And Here's where I lead with the Islanders right now. So first, the play of Ilya Sorokin. This guy is a Vesna finalist. He should be. And he should be getting some first-place votes. I understand Lennis Allmark playing out of his mind, but Boston has a great team in front of him, right? You look at what has gone on uh, over the course of time with the Islanders. You take Ilya Sorokin off the Islanders, you'd be talking about a a lottery-bound team, a team that would be fighting for Connor Bedard in that. Sorokin here in that he does almost everything, every game. Incredible saves, makes the routine save somewhat. Yeah, he gives up a couple of shaky goals here and there. But overall, he is that guy that can literally be this... This presence in the Islander system that will make or break this team. Say what you want about the Islander power play; the penalty kill is good. The Islanders have been winning faceoffs since Bo Horvat's been here, but we'll get into that in a little bit. But with the way how Ilya Sorokin has been playing, this guy is probably gonna, you know steal a couple of votes, maybe steal a series, if you will. So um, I think that the Islanders can definitely steal this series from Carolina, no doubt, without uh, Svechnikov in that lineup. But they always play Carolina tough, and Carolina always gives the Islanders headaches. But this is a series that should not be overlooked or underlooked. It should be every uh, everybody's eyes should be on this series because this series is going to dictate where other teams are going to be playing up against, you know, Carolina is tough as as tough as they've been this year. You look at the Islanders right now with the way, how they play their hard style of play. They made it to the back to back Eastern conference finals back in 20 and 21. And last year was almost like a reprieve type of year to that extent. But Regardless or not, the Islanders, they are where they are right now. And, you know, watching this team play all year and following them and seeing them where they've been, they need to win this series. They need to go out there and play just as hard as the Hurricanes. This is the last, I think this is the last dance, if you will, for. A lot of these guys on this roster, you could talk about Cal, Al Casey, Matt being on the fourth line. I think you're going to see the fourth line start uh, every game during this postseason. Whether it's a quick one, a quick four and out, or giving teams a seven game series, depending on you know how how deep the Islanders can go. Whether it's in the first round or whatever, don't want to count my chickens before they hatch, but. This team right now, they they are where they are. You know, JG Pajio. You got Hudson Fashion coming in. The great story of Hudson Fashion, uh, coming from working his way tooth and nail from the minor leagues and getting his start here with the Isles, and you know, starting his season off up in Bridgeport, being here, taking advantage of some some situations. Phenomenal player. You know, Zach Parise, the cheapest. Contract in the league scores 21 goals and looks like he's been playing absolutely out of his mind. Probably the best forward on this team, right? Then you look at the second line, second line's been shifted around a little bit. Uh, you know, you look at what Brock Nelson has brought to the table, all star year, no doubt about it. Uh, you look at Kyle Palmieri, his resurgence later on in the year after getting hurt during the course of time during the year, and that's what makes these stories so great. You know, you get to see what what these guys can do, right? You look at Pierre Engvall, the acquisition that they get with, with him from the Maple Leafs for uh, next year's third round pick. Pretty good in that sense. He's been playing rather relatively well, a, a fit, a real fit for this team, no doubt. Um, And then you look at the first line, it's an ever shifting first line, but the consistent pieces are there. Andrews Lee, looks like he can still continue to skate but he's you know he's grinding his way for that right then you look at you look at Bo Horvat coming over here as a center and this guy I I think without Bo Horvat this uh, you know between Horvat and without Sorokin this team would be a lottery bound team no doubt no doubt about it Horvat has come in and he is literally changed up this team. The the record speaks for itself. They're like 17, 8, and whatever it is. Whatever it is, two or three overtime losses, whatever it is. They're over 500. And where they were before this trade, before they won those two games on the back-to-back against Detroit and against Vegas at UBS Arena, they looked like they were dead in the water. They were desperate. Corvette comes in, they have a little bit of a revival here. Man, when Barzi went down, this team just went went like that, no doubt. And you got to see some of the other teams that have played, you know, Pittsburgh and Washington were one and two in the wild card before those two before the all before the All Star break. And now they're out of the playoffs. You know, you look at what's going on with this team and they're just finding their way. And they fought tooth and nail to be where they are right now. Hopefully the energy can be put into this series coming up against Carolina. And this is no easy series by any means. But when you look at this Islander team right now, they are playing well. They know what's at stake. And I think they know that with. Some of the guys that are playing on, you know, borrowed time, if you will, at that sense. Borrowed time meaning they could be traded, they could be cut, you know, they can be released, whatever it is. They're playing right now like, like it's almost like, all right, this is it. This is the last time I think we're going to see this core together with the, identity line with uh Sezikis, Cal and Matty Martin playing together. You know, the bottom the bottom six too, if you're gonna include Pajot, we don't know what's gonna happen with Pajot. Uh we don't know what's gonna happen with Parisse at the end of the year. We don't know what's gonna happen with Fashion if he's gonna resign here along with Pierre Angval as well. So this team right now is definitely playing for some sort of some sort of future with each other. And I think that with the way how the farm system is right now with this team, they need to go deep. And they need to upset a lot of people. They need to upset a lot of fan bases, opposing fan bases to make a deep run for that cup. That's no doubt. Because if you're looking at it right now, uh, this team is older, no doubt. And usually with these older teams they don't fare well as, you know, as time goes on. And the Islanders they gave up they gave up a haul for Warpo Horvat, the first round pick. Uh you know, you look at you look at uh, Aturatu and you look at Beauvillier, Beauvillier needed to change the scenery. Ratu is gonna probably get his due next year being a full time starter. And you look at the first round pick, it's gonna it's gonna generate something. But whether it's a young forward, trade ship, whatever it is. This team, this Islander team needed Bo Horvat in the worst way possible. And I, I mean that 100%. All right. I don't know what's going to happen in the series. I think the Islanders can pull the upset, but we'll see. Uh, You know, I really... I really look at this series, and I just say to myself, these are two defensive first teams going at it. Uh, the loss of Svechnikov definitely hurts out for the Hurricanes, but the Hurricanes, man, they just keep fighting tooth and nail. And with the way how Brendan Moore is, that's just a reflection of the coaching staff on there. Lane, Lane Lambert, it's just every, almost like an every-year type of thing. Not an every-year type of thing, but a first-year head coach, he's trying to dig tooth and nail to get his team into postseason contention. They did, but they've given up a lot of goals over the course of time this year. And, you know, it's, they need to find this right now. They need to find themselves here. And I think that with the style of play that they've had when Barry was here as head coach, with Barry Trotz here, as head coach, no doubt, in my mind, I could see this team pulling and upset, no doubt and look say what you will the Islanders got very fortunate the Islanders got very very fortunate but we'll see what happens we'll see what happens here as as the team goes on as the team moves on from the from the playoffs All right. So we got that out of the way. So moving on from the basket from the hockey standpoint, from the Islander perspective, we'll talk about the Rangers here for a little bit. I'll I'll give my quick take and then we'll go on from there. With the Rangers and the Devils playing well, this is going to be one of those series that's going to be must-watch with everything going on. You got the Rangers playing absolutely phenomenal to end the year. And they got people clicking. They got lines clicking right now. You got the kid line playing well. You got, you know, Patrick Kane and Vladimir Tarasenko playing well. Chris Drury put all of his chips all in in the middle. Good for him. Good for the Ranger fans in that sense. But, you know, with the Devils, they're a young and hungry team. And with the way how the Rangers have been playing, I could see the Rangers winning this series in six games. No doubt. The Devils, they're young. They're talented. They brought in Timo Meyer. They signed Dougie Hamilton last year. This is a young core in which is going to grow with each other. No doubt. Nico Hesher being the captain. The goaltending with uh, Vanicek Vanacek being there and Schmid. Vanacek can steal you a couple games, but in the long run, I don't necessarily see the Devils. They could steal the series. But I think the Rangers, in my opinion, with some guys coming back, with Miller and with Lindgren and Adam Fox being where they are right now, I think the Rangers can definitely pull it out. I think they win in six. I really do. And with Gerard Gallant being at the helm, I really can, I really can see the Rangers pulling off a first round series victory against the Devils. But again, I wouldn't be surprised if the Devils win it. You know, I wouldn't be surprised here if they stole if they stole it from from the Rangers. But I think Rangers in six, I really do. I think Shostakin finds finds his groove. He gets into it. You know, having the Ranger fans invading the Rock in the first two games, no doubt is that going to be? It's not going to feel like a home ice advantage for the Devils. But the Devils have fans. They do. They have a loyal fan base over there in New Jersey. So I think that the Rangers are going to hold their own. But again, I I could see the Rangers winning the series in six. I could see the Hurricanes in seven in that series. So we'll see what happens there as both teams uh, play up against each other there. Toronto, Tampa Bay. Again, a rematch of last year's first round. Personally, I like this a lot for the for both teams here. And as much as I hate both teams, both the Lightning and the Maple Leafs, is this the Maple Leafs year where they could finally break out of a first round for the first time since 2004 at this point? you know, Can they do it? Or can the, the the Lightning make a significant run again with Vasilevsky in that? I think that the Leafs retooled during the offseason and they retooled at the trade deadline, getting a guy like Ryan O'Reilly in there, more veteran leadership. Him coming back from that, uh, that injury helps out to that extent. And if you look at where the Maple Leafs are, they're really reliant on Sansonoff and Matt Murray during the season. I think Sansonoff is going to be the answer for the Maple Leaf problems. And if you're looking at the Maple Leafs, their penalty kill, very good. Top 12, no doubt about it. If you're looking at where the Tampa Bay Lightning are right now on the penalty kill, they're 15th. I think this is going to be a one of those series where you look at where they are the Power play for the Leafs are very good. Second in the league. Lightning third in the league right now. No doubt about it. And then the faceoff wins—you're looking at it. The Maple Leafs have faceoff wins like you wouldn't believe. You know, fourth in the league. Where opposed to as Tampa Bay is right now, they're 11th. So this is going to be one of those series that can go, that could go either way. That could swing either way. But I think that with where. Tampa Bay has been over the course of time and with the amount of fatigue that has come in. I know I'm probably gonna piss off a couple people here saying this, but give me the leafs here. I think they win in six. I think they go out and they they conquer some demons, if you will, in in that. But I would not discredit anything that the that the Lightning are gonna do here. I think the Lightning Give them everything. Not having Janat in the lineup that they've, that they, you know, they lost him for, it looks like after that Scott Mayfield hit. Uh, it looks like that, which was a queen hit, by the way. Losing him, not good. Nick Paul having himself that, that great, that great season this year and being, a force in the playoffs last year definitely helps out a lot and having Braden point back helps them out too. But for me personally, looking at it, I like the Leafs here in six games. Wouldn't be surprised if it goes seven, would not be surprised at all. If Tampa Bay wins it, same thing with the Rangers and the devil series. Wouldn't be surprised if either or wins their respective series, but give me Toronto. I think they're due of getting out of the first round here. All right, now we're going to move on from from Toronto and Tampa to another Atlantic matchup here. You got the Boston Bruins, the President's Trophy winning Bruins going up against the going up against the Florida Panthers. Last year the Panthers had the best record and they wound up losing, you know, not they wound up losing to the Tampa Bay Lightning. They lost out on a couple of pieces, and Bobrovsky is a year older, but their defense took a hit without without Mackenzie Wieger there. Jonathan Huberto gets traded. They get back Kachuk. Kachuk should be an MVP finalist with the way how he was playing, no doubt. But for me personally, like I look at where they are, and they're right there, the, the Bruins. They've acquired almost – a lot of top six talent over the course of time. Tyler Bertuzzi uh, being being a difference maker, if you will, uh, in that lineup. Garnett Hathaway being that grinder piece on that fourth line definitely helps things out there uh, for Boston. So they're going to be a grinded out type of team. Let's not forget about the perfection line here with Marchand, uh, Pasternak, and what could be Patrice Bergeron's final year. You know, this team might go deep and Linus allmark he got hurt maybe you might be looking at Jeremy Swayman here for a game or two probably not but you know you see what happens as time goes on but I personally like the Bruins here in five I can't see the the Panthers they're gonna they're probably gonna take a game down in Florida I could definitely see the Bruins winning both both games uh up in Boston first and they come back and they they clinch up in Boston, I can't see Florida winning this series at all. Give me Boston in five games. All right, moving on to the West now. And the West is very interesting because you got teams going out there. Colorado, they actually won their game last night. So they're going to be playing up against the Seattle Kraken as the first you know, wild card. So it's Colorado, Seattle. Then you got Vegas and Winnipeg. That's going to be a great series. Rematch of the 2018 Western Conference Finals. Uh, Edmonton and LA. And then you got Dallas and Minnesota. That Dallas-Minnesota series should be fun, but I think Dallas is going to be a Stanley Cup favorite this year. I really see that happening. And I, I look at Minnesota, you know, Minnesota as good as a, of a team they've been this year. I uh, I don't know. This is gonna be a tough one for me. Let's start off here with the the Colorado Seattle series. Seattle has no goaltending at all whatsoever. They're relying on Matty Beniers with Eberle and and all that. Their penalty kill and their their power play are a little bit suspect to that, to that extent. I just don't see Seattle being that much of a force. Colorado to me, I think that series can go five, maybe a sweep. If you will. I could see that happening there. I the max I could see the series go going is six. Seattle can definitely give you a run for their money, no doubt, for the abs money. But for me, I like Colorado here in six. All right. Moving on to the other series, the other the other one versus wild card here. Winnipeg, I think they might give the Vegas Golden Knights a a little bit of a shock here, if you will. I really do, and they've caught fire here. Connor Hellebuck coming back helps out a lot. Uh, their penalty kill, their special teams can be a little bit iffy there, but having that rank, having that barn up in Winnipeg with the wideout being the true north, I could see an upset here. I could see the Jets taking out the Knights. As crazy as that sounds, I could see the Jets taking out the Knights I like the Jets in six. I like the Jets here in six. I do. Vegas year in and year out, you're really relying on on an unknown goalie and Laurent Brissant. I don't know about them year in and year out. That you know you getting Mark Stone back in the playoffs, yeah. But for me, with the hot goaltending and with the way how Winnipeg's been playing over the course of time, fighting for their playoff lives, going into another hostile environment here in in Vegas, and then If they could steal a game in games one or two in this series, I could see them pulling an upset. I could see them pulling an upset here. I like Winnipeg in six. And then you look at the the Oilers and the Kings. I know my girlfriend's a big Oilers fan. She lives up in Edmonton. It's a long-distance relationship, no doubt. But for me, I just look at the, the Kings and with the way how their power play is, they have one of the best power plays, if not the best power play in all of the league, no doubt about it. And I just I just look at them right now and I just say to myself, you know, you look at their power play, right? Number one, the Kings, they're fourth in the league, but you really got to rely on Stuart Skinner. And as good as he's been thus far this year, you know, the Kings haven't really had solid goaltending either. I know they got Corpus Salo at the trade deadline. I understand that Quinn and Byfield and and their team, they're younger. You talk about a core like the Islanders that need to win their first round series. I could see it. And I could see the Kings winning this series against a team that has two all worldly type of type of a talent that you'll never see. Probably again, being on the same team. Being in their prime, I could see the Kings pulling an upset here in seven games. I can. I could see that happening. No doubt about it. Now, everybody talks about McDavid, 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 and Drysidle, Drysidle, Drysidle. They don't have, and this is something that really scares me because of how they've paid out McDavid, how they paid out Nick Nurse. They don't have a bottom six as opposed to the Kings, where they can roll out all four lines and they have a little bit of competent goaltending. Everybody wants to hop on the Stuart Skinner train, go right ahead. I'm not going to blame you for it. I'm not going to blame you for being on the best best player in the world's train either with McDavid and having Dreisaitl in your top five. But for me, I just look at them and I look at the one thing that really kind of, actually two things that kind of scare me here with them is the fact that their penalty kill is ranked 20th in the league. The Kings are ranked 24th. But I could see them still going out there and, you know, and playing. And playing a good special teams. But the shots against, to me, is something that really scares me. I'm looking at it right now. You got the Kings, they're fourth, 27.9 in the league, as far as shots against. And then you look at where the Edmonton Oilers are. They're down 19th at 30, 31. So they're going to be putting in a lot of shots on that. And Stuart Skinner is going to be going crazy in that. I personally like the Kings here in seven games. I think this is going to be a seven game series. Kings are going to win it up in Edmonton. You know, they traded Jonathan quick. It's a little bit of a ballsy move in a sense, but they get corporate they They're fighting tooth and nail for that playoff spot. I could see the Kings winning in seven games. And then finally, the Wild and the Stars right now. You know, the Stars to me, I could see them winning the Cup. You know, they got that young kid who had himself a great series against the against the Flames last year, and they wound up losing to the Flames in six games. And then the Flames are going up losing to the Oilers in the Battle of Alberta. But when I'm looking at this Stars team right now, the Stars, they can go out there. Shots against top 10 unit in the league. We're opposed to as the Minnesota Wild, they're 17th. And then I look at the penalty kill. This is the power play, is something else. Yeah. But you got to have a great defense in the playoffs in order to win. The Dallas Stars are ranked third in the league, as opposed to the Wild 10th. I personally like the Stars here in six games. I do. The Stars to me, like I said, with Ottinger and Net, he could steal you a series. And he proved it last year that he could fight tooth and nail and hang in with the Flames. The only issue is, you know, that was last year. This is now. And Ottinger is out there to prove to the world that, hey, I belong here. No doubt. I belong here in this situation. And those are my picks. For the Stanley Cup finals, for the Stanley Cup playoff first round. No doubt. We'll see what happens there. Moving on from the NHL playoffs to the NBA playoffs here locally. And the way how I see it is like this you know, the Knicks, they've been heavily reliant on Jalen Brunson. Those have, you know, him being here. He has been that much of a difference maker. No doubt. No doubt about it. But when I see it, I look at it and I just say to myself, you know what? With everything that's going on, with everything that's been said with this team, as I'm trying to pull up this NBA app right now, they, uh, they just... They try and make things so hard on this app. Next, I don't care about that. I don't care. All right, so here we go. And they get you with the league pass. Whatever. I have an NBA account, but I'm not going to go out there. All right, so here we go. So the play-in happened. The Lakers are going to be playing up against the Grizzlies. And then you got the Timberwolves going up against the Nuggets. You got the Suns going up against the Clippers. And you got the Kings playing the Warriors in the West and the East. You got the Bucks playing the Heat, one versus eight. You got the Cavaliers playing the Knicks, the four versus five series there. The 76ers and the Nets. The Nets have been playing very well. Jacques Vaughn should get a contract extension. He should be the coach for the Nets, no doubt, for, for here on out in the future. And then you got the Celtics going up against the Hawks. You know, with their situation, uh, I can't believe that the Hawks would want to trade Trey Turner. But you know, here we are. Not Trey Turner. I'm thinking of wow, I'm thinking of Trey Turner from the Phillies right now, the baseball player. Um, Trey Young, right? I can't believe the Hawks would want to even entertain that thought. But here we are. All right, let's talk about the Cavaliers in the next year. Look, Cavaliers, they've been playing well. The emergence of uh, Donovan Mitchell, very phenomenal there. Good for them. Good storyline in Cleveland. Uh, you know, having Karis LeVert and having Jared Allen there as well. Big pieces. Big pieces. You know, but regardless with this team right now, they are where they are. You got Evan Mobley playing rather relatively well. You got Jared Allen, like I said, being a leading rebounder and a disruption in the middle. But where I look at it right now is the fact that this team, you know, you're looking at it, that they're right there in the thick of it. And the Knicks need Julius Randle in the worst way possible. Emmanuel quickly could be a six man of the year candidate. He's been playing rather relatively well, right? you look at what what this next team has brought to the table and what Thibs has done here being that defensive style of play that he brings it's been pretty good but regardless or not it's it's been it's been absolutely unbelievable you get Mitchell Robinson in here too no doubt after the comments that he made but I personally like the Cavaliers here. The Knicks, they have to find a way to stop Donovan Mitchell. They have to find a way to to let Jaron Allen, you know, they have to stop him in that sense on on rebounding per se. Uh I I don't think that's gonna happen, but it is what it is. Uh but Darius Garland has been playing well, and you get an older Kevin Love. You got Ricky Rubio coming off the bench as well. I can't believe Ricky Rubio is coming off the bench. Is a good. He's a solid point guard, no doubt. But he's been. You know, they they have the team. They have it. But for me, you know, I just look at the Knicks. It could be another nightmarish situation. The Cavs have the depth there. The Knicks they have to figure it out. They have to figure it out, no doubt about it. And if they don't, well, eh, it is what it is. There. But I just look at I just look at where this team this Cavaliers team is right now. They had the depth, they had the pieces there, no doubt. And, you know, they're deep. They're deep, man. They are legitimately deep. No doubt. And they have solid veteran leadership there. We're opposed to as the Knicks, they're fighting, they're grinding tooth and nail. They seem like they have some vets, but eh, it could be a little bit tough. I like the Cavaliers here. The Nets, I think the Philadelphia 76ers, to me, you talk about the Nets really fighting tooth and nail with the core that they have there, but the superstars with James Harden, Joel Embiid, I think they'll find a way. The Nets, I think they'll steal a game or two maybe, but I like the Philadelphia 76ers here in six. You heard that here first. All right. In this series, I'm going to make a quick on the eastern side of things Bucks versus Heat. I like the Bucks here in five. You know, Giannis and Company. And then the Hawks, with everything going on, I think they're they're going to be a little bit dysfunctional from here on out. I like the Celtics here in five as well. I can see them sweeping uh there. All right, moving on to the West. The Lakers, they could be like that very that scary team, but the Grizzlies, they have. They have the players there, but with the John Morant situation, with everything that's gone on, they're talented. But again, for me, I like the Grizzlies here in six Kings versus Warriors. Sacramento has been wanting a playoff series in the worst way possible. And I think the last time they had playoffs was back in 2006, back when I was in high school, back when Ron Artest was a member of the Sacramento Kings. That's how long ago the Sacramento Kings had been in the postseason. You know, been one crazy world since then, right? I think the Kings can definitely pull off an upset. And I know that the Warriors, you know, they are where they are. I think the Kings can pull an upset here. Give me the Kings. And even though they'll have the home court advantage, I think that they'll they'll win this series in six games. I think the high-powered offense of having De'Aaron Fox and company there, and just with the hype of Sacramento, you know, Wanting playoff basketball, they're desperate for wanting to go out there and play hard. I like that about them a lot. Suns versus Clippers, Suns in five. I think with the way how the Suns are, you know, they got Devin Booker, they got Chris Paul, they got uh, DeAndre Ayton. You know, they they went deep a couple of years ago in the finals, and you got them. Uh, you know, I could definitely see them going to the next round. The Clippers to me, year in and year out, they prove to be like, you know, one of those teams, like, oh, you know, we got it, we got him, we got it. And they just they fold like a cheap suit. Is Kawhi Leonard the same player that he was a couple of years ago? Paul George, the same way. Is he gonna be doing things? I don't know. And I like the Nuggets here in five against the Timberwolves. You know, you bring in uh Rudy Gobert with Carl Anthony Towns being trying to offset each other here. You got the defensive minded Gobert going with the offensive minded Carl Anthony Towns. You know, you look at what the Nuggets bring, they have other pieces with Jokic, with uh, why am I forgetting his name? 27 Murray playing well. And you got Aaron Gordon coming off the bench. You know, they they could be a team that can bring it to a six or seven game series. You know, for me personally, it's just something that I I just look at Anthony Edwards being that guy too, uh per se, but I just look at this team right now and for me, I just there's just something about them right now. There's just something about them. I like the Nuggets here in five, no doubt. I like them here in five. Maybe we're downgrading the Wizards here. Anthony Edwards being a great player. You know, having Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert, they could be a lot better. But for me, they're they're about a year away. I think they're a year away. I can't picture the the Timberwolves pulling off the upset. But those are my picks for the NBA. We'll see what happens as time goes on. Um let's talk here about baseball and then we'll end here with the, we'll end the show with the jets because of where we are firstly i love the pitch clock i love the pitch clock in major league baseball no doubt in my mind this is one of those situations where you got to love how fast the game's going you got to appreciate you know the the pitchers the rules the umpires enforcing the rules here if you will it brings for a great product and that's something that you want to see. And, you know, as much as I love extra innings before, you know, seeing like a 16 inning marathon, 17 inning marathon, I love, you know, the extra runner. I love the, you know, to speed up the game. I love seeing that, seeing it on, on the product, seeing the pitch clock as well. That's a phenomenal thing. I love it as well. Uh, there, But you know what, for me, I just look at it and I just say to myself, this is a great product that baseball is, you know, servicing their fans here, if you will. You know, having really no throws over, you're trying to limit that, trying to limit that cat and mouse game. I do miss the thought process of it as well. I think when the postseason comes back, I think you'll you won't see the pitch clock, if you will, (coughs) or you won't see the. You won't see the run around second to, you know, start the playoffs. But for right now, for a regular season product, I like it. It's great. And you're not spending, you know, X amount of time at the ballpark. It's really two and a half hours, three hours now, max, at this point. It's a great thing. And it speeds up the game. And if you're watching a game during the weekday, maybe they get fans back during the weekday, you know, trying to sell the building out, if you will. I like it. I do. And that's something that's played baseball over the course of time has been. And I've been a big advocate of this pitch clock. I like it per se, but it's one of those things that I just look at and I just say to myself, this is a great thing for major league baseball. Now to get to the New York teams right now, the Mets they're hurting, no doubt, but they go up against the Oakland A's. I think for the fan base out there that, is all doom and gloom after the first couple of weeks because of the injuries and with the way how the team's been playing and with the way how you got other teams in the, in the division being the Atlanta Braves and with the Phillies being where they are right now, you can't discredit them. You can't. Okay. And maybe it's too much, too many teams in, in the postseason, you know, having played 162, you know, you want entertainment in, in that sense. And I understand there are players out there that hate the that hate the you know that hate the the pitch clock and too many teams. It's all about entertainment value at that point. And if you're gonna do that, you might as well just shave off a couple of games, maybe make it like a 140, make it make it like a 130 type of deal. But for me personally, like watching this product, I I like what I'm seeing right now. To get back to the Mets, I'm sorry I got sidetracked there. For the Mets, there's a lot of injuries. You know, Scherzer being hurt a little bit here and there doesn't help out, right? Edwin Diaz being out for the year, uh, doesn't help things out. Justin Verlander, the free agent signing that they've gotten and acquired, doesn't help out. But we might see him right before, you know, right before uh Aaron Rodgers becomes a jet. Who knows? I don't know what's gonna happen there, but All in all, what I'm saying to you right now is this team, this Mets team is going to find their way. Just wait until May, June, July. Wait till they find their way. I'm telling you, this is going to be a fun team to watch. You're going to see Brent Beatty come up soon, no doubt. I think they want to figure out what's going on with the contract situation regarding Beatty. You want to control him for another year, right? Francisco Alvarez with Nito. I think it's only a matter of time before Alvarez becomes the full-time starting catcher here. You don't want to rush these kids up. That's that's a problem. You don't want to rush these kids up, and then you're like, well, what do you do now? You know, do you put you put Nito back in? Do you figure out something? You don't want to rush the young talent up. No doubt about it. You want to let them figure it out in the minors or be a backup here, if you will. But in my opinion, to me, you go out there and you let Beatty crush into in the minor leagues. When May rolls around, then you bring them up. You don't want to rush these kids up. You don't want to rush them up right now. It's a long season. Baseball is a long season. It's not about right now. It's about what happens in October. And this team right now, yeah, they can make make a deep run, no doubt about it. But for me, don't rush these kids up. Don't rush them up. Very simple. You know? But the way how the wild card is now, you got to see a wild card that basically crawled into the playoffs, make it to the World Series in the Philadelphia Phillies last year. That's the beauty about the wild card. You make it into a crapshoot. I know some people hate hearing that because of where where some teams are, no doubt. But looking at it from a perspective of, you know, these guys, they grind it out, sure. But for fans that don't really know, it, it's a crapshoot at the end of the day. It is. All 30 clubs believe in themselves, no doubt. All 30 clubs believe in themselves to make it to the postseason. Or whatever 12 teams make it now into the postseason. Whatever it is. It used to be 10. Now it's 12 at this point. Whatever it is now. They believe in themselves. But for the fan that doesn't know, it's a crapshoot. It really is. No doubt. That's what makes baseball fun. And that's something that, you know what, ultimately, at the end of the day, I personally love it. Chirucci with you here on the On the Board Sports Podcast. The Yankees, right now, talk about, like, total difference. The Rays, 13-1 after last night's loss to Toronto up in Toronto, by the way, the new renovations in Toronto, they look absolutely superb, but to get back to the Yankees, I'm looking at this team right now. They're really, really on run ball still. You know, that's something that shouldn't be Minnesota's coming in. I think the, the years of aggravation going up against the Yankees, not only in the playoffs, but in the regular season has come to a head losing two games. Uh, Outside of Garrett Cole, the pitching staff is kind of a little bit suspect. The bullpen, a little bit suspect. Aaron Boone, suspect. You know, Anthony Volpe is going to be having growing pains, no doubt. We could have told you that at the beginning of the year. But that's what baseball is all about. And right now, they are where they are. And, you know, for the hype train, for the Yankee hype train, for the year, again, let's relax. Let's relax. It's the beginning of the year. It's not about how you start. It's about how you finish. I think the Yankees will be tooth and nail. They'll be fighting for the AL East, no doubt. They'll be fighting for the wild card. They're going to be a playoff team. Excuse me. They're going to be a playoff team. They're going to be a playoff team. I'm not worried about that. But what comes to mind is, you know, the roster construction of this team. Got Aaron Hicks here. You know, people are calling him a waste. All right. I'm kind of beginning to agree with that. The comments that he made the other day about him trying to get more playing time, you're a bench player. I've defended him multiple times last year, but you know what? You haven't helped yourself out. You haven't helped out your situation at all. Mount one bit, whether it's with the outfield gaffes, the you know, him going up the plate. You gotta give you gotta make best of your situation. You gotta make best of your situation. You're you're not helping yourself out. And because of that, if you're not helping yourself out, what are you doing? You know, if you're getting, if you're given good situation, you got to produce on that. You have to make do of that. Just because you had a good day yesterday doesn't mean you have an even day tomorrow. You know, you have to make do of what you're given. And you have to build on it. You know, it, it it's the same thing with work. You know, you can have a good day one day, and then you can have a bad day the next. You got to build on consistency, if you will. That's how it is. That's the way how it is. No other way around it. Um, I look at where the Yankees are, too. You know, Josh Donaldson, eh. Again, older, great defensive presence, but now the Yankees have a hole at third base. You know, the Yankees have a hole at third base now that they have to they have to fix it up here a little bit. You know, are you going to put Oswaldo Cabrera there? Are you going to put Volpe there? Are you going to have, you know, D.J. LeMayhew playing there now with the hole? He's a Gold Glove winner. You got to figure it out at this point, you know? I just look at this Yankees team right now. Say what you will about Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stanton. They're they're more of like a mystery team. Their roster looks great on paper, but until, you know, this is an all-or-nothing team. It's an all-or-nothing type of team, no doubt. Got no no other way of saying it. And then, you know, you look at the pitching staff, you look at the bullpen, a little bit of question marks there. We'll see what happens. But, guys, for the overreactions, for the overreactionaries, it's April. It's April. Let's not make a big deal about in April when, especially in the social media world that we live in right now, things can happen over the course of 162-game season. We've seen it before. We'll see it again. Anything can happen during that course of time, right? And then finally, we ended off here with the Aaron Rodgers saga and situation been hearing reports on the, the whole trade talk, oh, you know, some, some beat writers, some people are basically saying, oh, Aaron Rodgers is going to be dealt at the trade deadline uh, at the, at the draft, excuse me, dealing him at the draft on day two. Then I hear, oh, you know, it's only a matter of time now before Aaron Rodgers becomes a jet. It's like, you know, then you hear Joe Douglas, oh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And then typical jet luck. Boom. Just like that. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be the same old shit. And at one point in time, at what point in time do you say, like, as a jet fan going through with this, like enough, you know, what are we doing? You got to tweet at the owner. Like, in all seriousness, do you got Do you have to tweet at the owner for this? Like, what's holding this up? Compensation? You know, Rogers getting his money? What are we doing? What are we legitimately doing here at this point? It, it just pisses me off. This deal should have been done a long time ago. And if your sites were on Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers should have been here already, and the pet press conference should have happened already. Are we waiting on money? Are we waiting on, you know, what are we waiting on at this point in time? So that's something that really, you know, really kind of pisses me off uh, in that sense. But, you know, as a Jet fan, it just, the agony keeps on, it just seems like it never ends. And it seems like we're always the butt of all jokes. And again, it's beginning to to prove it like that, but, you know, Time goes on. We'll see. I guess, but it just when when is it when is it gonna end? When is it gonna end? As as Jet fans, when is this misery gonna end? Because there are some positive people out there on on Jets Twitter that like to spin it off as oh he's gonna be he's gonna be here. Don't worry. And then you're gonna have the you know the pessimistic fan. Oh, the deal's never gonna happen. And then you get have people like me that are in the middle that try and be, you know, somewhat positive, but also somewhat, you know, that's almost like a somewhat pessimistic fan in a sense of what has what gone on over the course of time. It's like, when is this going to end? Is this going to really happen? We'll find out. We'll see. All right, guys. I'm going to get going. Enjoy the rest of your week. God bless you. And we'll talk to you guys soon. Peace out. Stay safe out there wherever you may be. Like, review, and subscribe to us, please. Talk to you guys soon. Peace out.